God's grace, his mercy, and his peace be yours from he who is, he who was, and he who is yet to come. Amen. I'll start this morning by just asking you a question. Uh, When was the last time that you were surprised as a Christian? I'll ask it another way. When was the last time that you were maybe studying God's Word in a, in a group Bible study or in a devotion, and God revealed something to you about Himself or about faith or life that you were not expecting, you hadn't heard before, you hadn't thought of it that way before, it took you totally by surprise, and you were just kind of awed and wowed by that. Can you think about the last time that happened to you? Maybe it wasn't uh, in a Bible study, maybe it was here in a worship service or at wherever you go to church in a worship service. Uh, maybe it was just in your Christian life something happened. Um, I would like to say to you this morning that I believe that our God is a God who likes to surprise people. Um, we don't have to look very hard in the Bible to see that that's true. Uh, if you go back to Abraham, right, in the book of Genesis, imagine Abraham is 90 years old, His wife is 80 years old. She's barren, never had children. And God comes to him and tells him that he is going to have a child. That had to have been very surprising for Abraham. Or Moses. Moses was 80 years old. He had left Egypt where he had been raised. And he's living out in the desert. And God comes to him through a burning bush and tells him that Moses is going to be the one to go back to Egypt, to the great empire of the Egyptians, to Pharaoh, arguably the greatest ruler on earth at the time, and deliver his people out from underneath the oppression of the Egyptians. That had to have taken Moses by surprise. And we see it in the way he responded to God. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to go. It it took him so much off guard. Again, we could give a lot of examples. If you look at Jesus, Jesus often surprised people in things that he did, and also in the words that he would say to people. So much so that sometimes people couldn't accept it, what he said to them, and they would walk away. Um, You remember the woman that was caught in adultery. Maybe had lived her whole adult life to that point in sin. I'm sure she was totally surprised when, after almost getting stoned to death, by the Jewish leaders, Jesus turned to her and said, I do not condemn you. Your sins are forgiven. That had to have surprised that woman and taken her off guard. Today, we're going to look at another time in Jesus' ministry when he surprised someone. The person's name is Nicodemus. It comes from John chapter 3. You're maybe familiar with this account, Um, or at least John 3.16. Even people outside of the church are familiar with that verse. We just sang about it in the hymn. But we're going to look and watch as Jesus surprises Nicodemus with his words for him. And what we're going to find out is that the kingdom of God really is full of surprises. And in this case, and in what we're learning today, surprising in how we enter into that kingdom and also surprising in who it is, the God, that we encounter when we get there, when we see it. Uh, Follow along as I read to you from John chapter 3. It's a fairly long section of uh, Scripture for us this morning, verses 1 to 17. I'm going to read it all the way through. 
Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, which also means teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is God's word. John, the writer of the gospel, tells us that Nicodemus was a, a member of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were one of the, the Jewish religious sects, groups of uh, religious people, and, uh, and often they were members of the Jewish ruling council, and uh, they were known for their outward observance of the, of the laws of Moses and also some traditions that they had developed themselves. Uh, Jesus had had many encounters with the Pharisees. And often, if you know your Bible, they were often kind of controversial uh, encounters um, because the Pharisees generally didn't like Jesus. Uh, They didn't like what he was teaching. He was kind of a threat to them. And so they often came to him uh, to try to trick him or trap him or to get him in trouble. They wanted to get rid of him. Nicodemus, though, uh, is a little different. He, He seems to be showing some honest sincerity in and, and trying to find out who exactly Jesus is and what he's all about. But I want you right now just to, to look at the verses again and, and just look at how Jesus responds to Nicodemus because in a way you think he doesn't even seem like he even is really responding to what Nicodemus had just said. Look again, he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And <laughs> you can see how surprised I mean, you can, you can sense it in his words how surprised Nicodemus is when he hears this. He's kind of like, what? You know, and he, he said, wait, a person goes back into a womb. He's trying to wrap his mind around this whole thing. You know, Jesus, what are you talking about? And, and Jesus responds again. He says uh, in verse 5, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water 
and the Spirit. Why? Why did Jesus answer this way? Why did he surprise him like that? Take him off guard? Because he knew Nicodemus' heart. Even though Nicodemus had come with some sincerity and, and, and honestly trying to find out about Jesus, Jesus also knew, though, that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And he had, he had a Pharisee in his heart. And he had been educated and trained in the ideas of the Pharisees for years and years and years. And although the Pharisees outwardly seemed to follow the laws of God, not so much inwardly, and they often were blind to their own sinfulness. And so they, were very, they could be very prideful and very self-righteous, and they would look down their nose at other people who they thought didn't follow the law of God as well as they did. And so Jesus had to turn his whole ideas of spirituality and how he thought he would see the kingdom of God upside down. He says, Nicodemus, you know, all, all that stuff that you think you bring to the table so that you can see the kingdom of God, so that you can enter the kingdom of God, they don't mean anything. You have to be born again. He says, all, all that stuff, that's just of the flesh. He, and he says, the flesh cannot give birth to the spirit. The flesh can only give birth to flesh. You need to be born again of the spirit. You need to be born again. Imagine the surprise of Nicodemus. Um, we should probably stop here just for a second and, and ask, you know, what, what exactly did Jesus mean when he says, you must be born again? Um, we hear that, that term. Um, the Bible, it doesn't say it here, but the Bible describes this idea of being born again, this new birth, as the Spirit of God coming into a person's heart and changing that heart from a hardened heart, opposing God, to a heart that trusts in the saving work and person of Jesus Christ. And that's all a work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it, being born again means being turned from an unbeliever to a believer. What a surprise for Nicodemus. Jesus' words surprise us too. First of all, because if you, if you haven't already figured it out, we have Nicodemus inside all of us. All of us have a Pharisee inside of us that in the same way can be self-righteous and prideful. I go to church every Sunday I know the Bible. I know the teachings and the doctrines of Jesus. I follow the laws of God pretty good. There's a lot of other people who don't out there, but I do. We have that same prideful, self-righteous Pharisee inside each of us. And in our world today, and in our society, and in every other world religion, that Pharisee inside of us is bombarded and influenced with the idea that to see the kingdom of God, to have a relationship with God, means to be a good person. And Jesus has to come and surprisingly confront that Pharisee inside of us and say, mm -mm, 
All that stuff that you think you bring to the table, it means nothing. You need to be born again. All that, he says, you, you can't understand, Jesus says it in the words, he says, you can't understand this being born again, or what's happening to you, any more than you can the wind blowing. So Jesus' words surprisingly confront us, and again, that Pharisee inside of us. But Jesus' words also, the same words, surprisingly comfort us. Let me ask you a few questions. When a baby is born, who decides that that baby, to have that baby? The parents or the baby? You guys answer. The parents, right? We'll get a little personal. Who who conceives the baby? The parents or the baby? The parents, right? Who carries the baby around? I can't say the parents. The mom or the baby? The mom does, right? Who delivers the baby? The mom does, not the baby, right? Just ex, they're not in here. Kurt and Jesse Walker, right? They just went through that not too long ago. That baby was along for the ride. The the reason that baby is here is by a, a gift of grace and love and sacrifice by the parents. It had the baby had nothing to do with itself being born. It didn't birth itself. The parents did, and in the same way. There's nothing that you do to be born again. And that's a huge comfort for us because you might be in the pew today thinking, gosh, all the terrible things I have done. There's just no way that God is going to let me into his kingdom. I just, I don't measure up. Jesus says, relax. It's not about all those terrible things you did. I give you new birth. It's an act of my love. And sacrifice for you. Or if you're thinking, I, I just, okay, I do, I do good for God. I try to do good, but gosh, do I, am I doing enough? Jesus says, relax. <laughs> I give you new birth. Or if you're wondering, did I ever really make a decision to accept Jesus into my heart? Guess what? You didn't do that either. The Spirit gave you new birth. The Spirit put that faith in your heart. So I just have to ask you here today, do you believe in Jesus? Say, yes, right? Then you're born again. (laughs) You're a born-again Christian. And Jesus did that all for you through his Spirit, working in your heart. And for many of you, it maybe didn't happen right here, but it happened at a baptismal font. Jesus talks about that when he says, you must be born again of water and the Spirit. The Spirit worked through, in this amazing, surprising, crazy way, he works through water and through the Word of God to give you new birth so that you would be born again. What surprising, amazing comfort that gives to us. And I hope that it gives to you, too. Because Nicodemus came to Jesus with these preconceived ideas about, um, about how to enter the kingdom of God, um, he was totally taken by surprise by Jesus' words that you must be born again. But Nicodemus also came with preconceived ideas about who he would see, the God that he would encounter in the kingdom of God. 
And as a Pharisee, it's, it's likely that his idea of God was a God that was about laws and commandments and traditions and that he was standing, waiting in judgment to condemn people who didn't follow his laws. So he was not ready for the God that Jesus described for him. He was, he was surprised by the God that, that Jesus told him he would encounter. And I'm not going to read through all those verses again, but the verse, if basically verses 5 through the, through the end of verse 17, Jesus describes this incredible, amazing, surprising God that we encounter in the kingdom. First, he talks about the Spirit. He likens the Spirit to the wind. And he says, just as we cannot see the wind, we cannot see the Spirit of God either. But we see evidence of the Spirit of God working in the lives of people, just as you see evidence of the wind blowing in the trees and blowing in the grass. And he says the the Spirit works just like the wind, kind of unpredictably. And, And it works in who and when and where and how that it pleases. And it, and it works, again, through kind of crazy, surprising things like baptism and the Word of God to give you this new birth. Jesus describes himself. He, he talks about the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, we say. And he says that, he, when he's talking about himself, he says that, yes, he did indeed come down from heaven, the Son of Man, true man, but also the Son of God, God in the flesh, and, and how surprising that must have been to Nicodemus, because we would expect, and maybe Dick Nicodemus would expect, to see uh, if the Son of God is coming down from heaven, we would think we'd see this superhuman, glorious, powerful, amazing king. But no, it's a man <laughs> sitting right in front of him that he can talk to, that he can touch, that he can see, that he can have a conversation with. Jesus also uses an Old Testament lesson, or I should say some Old Testament scripture. It it doesn't say it here, but it comes from Numbers chapter 21 when he talks about the bronze snake being lifted up. What he's talking about is a time in Old Testament history when Moses and the children of Israel were out in the desert and God, in sending consequences to his people for straying away from him, sent venomous snakes. And some of the people were being bit and they were dying from these snakes. And so God... Again, in kind of this crazy, surprising way, says, Moses, make a bronze snake. Put it up on a pole, and everybody that looks at the snake will not die. Okay, they did it, and sure enough, the people that looked to the snake, they didn't die. And Jesus is saying, just as the snake was lifted up on the pole, I too will be lifted up on a pole, lifted up on a cross, so that anybody that looks to me, that looks to the sun on the pole, will be saved, that will not die experience death. They will not, death, they'll just pass through death. They won't experience the, the, the venom of death and hell. He also describes God the Father. And he doesn't describe a, a God of, of judgment that stands ready to condemn people, but instead a God of amazing love, <laughs> busy saving people, trying to save the whole world, a God that so, is so consumed with his love that he sent his son into the world to walk in our shoes, to be a human being like you and me, and to endure all of this. 
a God that knows our sin, and he, he knows the pain and, the, and the, the condemnation and the unhappiness and all of the yuck that goes with sin, and he does not want, uh, he wants us to be freed from that and redeemed from that. So again, he sent his son in love to carry all of it, to endure all of it to the cross, to free us. A God that we most deservedly call Father, <laughs> our Father, who would want none of his children to be lost, but all of them to be saved, to be with him eternally. What an amazing, surprising God we encounter in the kingdom. One last thing to share with you uh, before we close. Uh, the kingdom of God is indeed full of surprises, but, but look again at what Jesus says in verse 7. He says, You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still... You people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So in one sense, Jesus doesn't want us to be surprised. <laughs> now you're thinking about the whole sermon. Up to this point, you're like, well, what, what were you just saying? God loves to surprise us? Yes, but let me explain. God loves it when we're surprised and, and in awe and, and, and it, it increases our love and appreciation for him when he reveals something about him to us and about his great plan for us. But he doesn't want us to be so surprised, so dumbfounded by what he shows us that we go, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I can believe that. What, three, three persons and one God? Are you crazy? Uh, that's, I can't wrap my mind around that, so I, I, can't, I can't believe that. I can't have a relationship with a God like that. Being born again? What? I, I don't feel reborn. So am I really reborn? And, and walk away. That, that's the kind of surprise that Jesus does not, surprise that Jesus does not want us to be. There, as, as Vicar said in the, in the children's sermon, there are many, many things that we do not understand about God. And we never will. But that's why he's God, and we're not. Because if we understood everything about God, he wouldn't be much of a God. So there's a lot we're not going to understand about him. But everything we do need to know, and everything we do need to understand about him, Jesus has revealed to us in his word. And when Jesus says it's true, it's true. He doesn't want us to try to figure it all out. He just wants us to trust it as his children and to enjoy the blessings of it, again, as, as Vicar told us in the children's message. Because that's what Nicodemus did. 
Sure, here he was, he was taken totally off guard. He was surprised by Jesus' words. But what we know is that later, he accepted all of it. He believed it. He was born again. How do we know that? Because in John chapter 7, it tells us that Nicodemus, now being one of the believers, questioned the Pharisees. He, he stood up against his buddies because of the way they were treating Jesus. And then later in John's Gospel in chapter 19, he and a friend took Jesus' body down from the cross in awe and in reference and in love for Jesus because he was born again. He was a believer. And Jesus wants us to do the same. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things I don't know about my dad And you'd probably say the same thing about your dad. I don't know every experience he's ever had. He hasn't told me all of it. I don't know uh, everything that makes him tick. I don't know what goes on in the depths of his heart. He shared some of it, but not all of it. And you know where I'm going with this, right? Because one thing I do know about my dad is that I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt... He loves me, and I love him, and I don't need to know and understand and figure out everything else out about him to have an amazing, surprising, wonderful relationship with him, and the same is true with us and God. My dear friends, rejoice in the surprising fact that God has given you new birth through his spirit, to believe in his son as your savior and rejoice in the fact that your God exists in and has revealed himself to you as three people, a father who loves you beyond the shadow of a doubt, a son who came and walked in your shoes and died for you and took all of your sin to the cross and a spirit that has worked in your heart and created faith in you and sustains faith in you And also works out among other people. Sometimes we don't even see it strengthening faith. All three amazing, surprising people of the Trinity working in one mission to save you and all of mankind. Woo! (laughs) What an amazing, surprising, wonderful God we have. Rejoice in that. Amen.